everyone, it's Emily here. Welcome to Talking Teachers. I do have to tell you that this episode does feature some bad audio at times, and I'm really, really sorry about that. However, the content of this conversation is so full of quality, and what Vic Carr says is so, so crucial. So please, please stick with it. I promise it's great. It's actually just my audio that goes a little bit funny. So do stick with it, have a listen, and I hope you enjoy the episode. And welcome to this episode of Talking Teachers. I'm Emily DL and we've got my co-host Oliver here too. Hi, it's really good to be here, Emily. Really excited for this as well. Yeah, it's going to be great. We are so, so excited to have Vic Carl with us. I say this every time that we're excited, but this time I'm really excited to have Vic with us. She is such an inspiration in her day-to-day life, the way she interacts with people, the way she leads her school. And we've called this episode Leading with Love because I think that perfectly embodies Vic and everything that she does. Vic, welcome to Talking Teachers. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here, even though I forgot the time. I didn't send the bio over and... um, yeah, I couldn't find the headphones for about half an hour beforehand. It's fine. This is just how Still we respond great to things. To have you. <laughs> it's all good. It's Thank all you. good. Um, right. For those who don't know you, Vic, can you tell us a little bit about you? Introduce yourself to the people who are watching and listening. Uh, yeah, I am Dr. Vic Carr. I'm head teacher of Woodlands Primary School in Ellesmere Port, which is the largest school in our area. So, three form entry primary school. Um, yeah, I'm a mum to two teenagers, which is why I'm looking a bit haggard at the moment. Um, <laughs> I've got Gus, the school dog, who lives with me as well, and um, I'm in the British Army as a reservist. Amazing. Just a few things there. <laughs> yeah, just a couple. <laughs> um, we are going to talk to you today about your kind of leadership, how you got into leadership, your leadership journey, and what values you kind of lead by. So let's without we won't talk about that first but how was your summer holiday first have you had a good break so <laughs> I far we really had a holiday um <laughs> <laughs> so because of covid that our plans to go away we were going to go to denmark they were kind of shelved because of the the listing of the country so no holiday my daughter um she's got a job part-time job so she was kind of working our summer holidays around her. My son's got a job, so working with summer holidays holidays around him. And then I've been doing a lot with the army. I've been doing a lot of work for my MA that I'm doing. And um, yeah, so I haven't really had a holiday yet. And I'm also yeah. writing a book. Which, yeah. Yeah, That's which exciting. is called Leading Very with exci- Love. So. Oh, funny that. that was- <laughs> funny old thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's you guys amazing. You're the first to know. So yeah. You've heard it here first, everyone. Vic's writing yeah. a book. That's going to be great. I wouldn't say courage because courage is for other things probably, but it's a big step for me to kind of say to people publicly that I'm doing this thing because it's been in the background now for about six, seven months and I've not wanted to share thinking who'd want to read a book that I write, what have I got to say, how am I even going to do it as a project when I was asked to do it. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's I'm over halfway through and... Um, I'm now at the stage where um, some of our colleagues who are on Twitter have been asked to um, have a look at it and do a peer review and hopefully from then um, we'll know some more about when it's going to come out and all that kind of stuff but it's all about leading with love so follow Vic on Twitter for updates on that (laughs) definitely where where can they find you Vic Um, at happyhead74 
Thanks. Yeah, I have heard 74. But um, what I've noticed about Twitter, I'll scandalise you today. I think I'm following people and then I'm not. So <laughs> Emily yeah. sent me a message like, yeah, you do realise you're not following me. I was no, like, I, not. I, I did not believe it. I was I'm like, listen, so... we're friends. Like, what's going on, We babe? text one another and everything. And I was like, well, what, wait, what? I'm, I'm not following you? What is it? No. I will go on. I will go on Twitter later and just double check. But that's, that's me all over. I'm honestly clueless. And I get so stressed about those um, tag me in and retag. Because I love them. I think they're so great. But then I think, oh, God, I won't remember everyone. And how can, how can I remember everyone? And then I'll have to upset yeah. someone. Then I go, oh, I'm not going to do it. So I'm just like, thank you, but I can't get involved. <laughs> I, I'm honestly rubbish. So if you think this is inspirational, my goodness, but, you know. Stop. Honestly, since we've met, the interactions that you and I have just had on a personal level have really seen me through some really tough times. And look, we've never met in person, but we've met in spirit and we've met in soul. And yeah. that for me is that's more powerful sometimes than whether you just hang out with someone, you know, in person. And you, you've got to remember that. You've got to remember that the, the things that you're putting out there, even whether you think it's just no one's going to be bothered by it, the amount of people, you, you just don't know. You know, you it say something and you just effect, don't know. Absolutely, it? everything has a ripple effect. So when did you first want to become a head teacher? What, what's been your kind of leading up to that point? Well, it's funny. I mean, obviously, I've been exploring this a lot in the in the early chapters of the book because I don't think I had a traditional journey into headship. I don't know if there is one, but I don't suppose I had one. Um, so it wasn't as if I was um, in this country the whole time and I had a linear progression through my career. I didn't. Um, I kind of just followed my heart really. And so when I was when I first. Um, completed my teacher training pra um, practice, which I'm scandalised to say was years ago. Um, uh, there was no kind of newly qualified teacher thing or anything, and I was just really delighted to get my first job. And it was in Newcastle upon Tyne in a middle school, which I hadn't trained to do. But the head teacher there was really innovative, and he he, he really liked the look of my application. It was quite an unusual application because I just do random stuff I just think that's interesting I'll do that I never think I'm going to do that yeah. in order to get to the next step I think oh, that's good, mm -hmm. you know really interesting I'll just get involved and so he liked my application and he gave me a job in a middle school and it was so cool because I taught year five I was a form tutor and I had math English and science and then the whole rest of my time I spent teaching PE to girls which was just yeah. really cool so I was out mm -hmm. all day doing sports every day um, you know sorting out t uh, matches and games and coaching after school and then on the back of that in my NQT year as it would be called now just did loads of fundraising fun stuff like swimathons and um, mm -hmm you know, d day trips and then loads of outdoor education, which is obviously what my degree was in. So we were taking kids um, with one of the one of the more experienced teachers. Um, we were taking them all over the place doing outdoor stuff, which was really, really motivational. And then, in their wisdom, the local authority decided that they would close that school. And simultaneously, the boyfriend I had at the time, who was an expat, um, said, look, I want to move back to Kenya. Do you want to come with? And I said, yeah, okay, sounds cool. So over I went, and what I ended up doing there, and, and this will get to, to the crux of your question really, was um, establishing a school called Podo Prep School. And we built it from scratch. I, I, I suppose I built it from scratch. And, and it, it served the um, children of all the expatriate farmers, of which my boyfriend was one. But obviously he was 
at the youngest level, all the others had kind yeah. of moved out with small children. And if they hadn't have had that provision, they'd have had to have gone to boarding school quite far away or sort of cottage um, schools in people's back gardens. And what I did was set up something with the English national curriculum. And I was so lucky, had um, the, the girlfriend of one of the guys there was also a teacher who came out, so she came to work for us. And then um, another girl who was a nursery nurse, an absolutely gorgeous girl called Serena. The other one was called Kate. And Serena became um, the kind of nursery teacher. And it was just the best, best, best time of my life. And I was there for about 18 months. And so I guess that was all about finances, about managing curriculum, about pastoral issues, about liaising with parents, um, about looking at progression in, in children's learning, because the children did move on um, to kind of official boarding school when they were sort of nine or 10. And um, I got letters, I've still got them now actually, because I'm soft, um, sort of saying, thank you so much for all the hard work you've put in. These children have arrived and, and they're doing really well and that's testament to you. And sadly that ended because I came back here. My sister had cancer and I came back um, kind of very quickly in a hurry to kind of look after her. But um, yeah, so my first foray into being ahead was yeah. two years into my career and um, uh, and it was just brilliant in a completely different context, you know, mm -hmm. in Kenya from scratch. Yeah, so, wow. so yeah, I don't know when I, I don't know about my journey into the current position I've got, but nothing has been linear is what I would say. I've taught yeah. adults, I've taught soldiers, um, I've taught in middle schools, I've taught in army schools, and uh, I've taught in church schools. And here I am in, in my lovely school, which I absolutely love yeah. and I wouldn't change for the world. I, I, I love it. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been in that position since? My current school, three years, mm -hmm. um, yeah. and when I went there, I was executive head of that school and of my previous one. Um, you know, the director of education at the time, even though we'd had our spats, um, <laughs> had faith in me to try and fix, um, fix this school, because it needed a lot of love, it really did. And in fact, in my interview, funnily enough, I must put this in the book, but in my interview for this um, job, which wasn't necessarily an interview it kind of was but not in the official sense i went over to be grilled by a bunch of um invested people and they said what you know you've been in the school you've had a look what do you think and i said well the school needs to be loved back to life nice. and that's that's what i've set about doing really i've nurtured the staff um, nurtured the children and the parents have needed a lot of care and, and attention as well so in three years two of which have been disrupted We've, we've done really, really well as a team, and, and that's testament to their hard work, really, and their commitment to, to the school. So, yeah, I love it. I wouldn't be anywhere else. My dream job. I love that. That's brilliant. So when we're talking about the fact that you went into that school and you said it needs a lot of love, it needs to be loved back to life, how did you do that? Because it's very easy to walk in and say this needs a lot of love, and you be mm -hmm. the kind of most loving, but then you've got a whole team of people that you need to get on board and you know how how did you face that and what did you do to implement those values I think for me the key is for me to have my personal values and my professional values aligned yeah. Um, yeah. so that I'm not wasting energy trying to be one person in school and one person at home and one yeah. anybody who knows me knows that I'm exactly the same with my own children as I am with my mother with my colleagues at work with mm -hmm. the parents mm -hmm. I just find that's easier because you invest a lot of energy into your workplace and if you're trying to kind of be different with everybody it's just too draining so yeah, you can't first, keep up the facade no, can you and it's too, I, it's too, I, yeah it's too energy draining yeah so I, I 
I don't know when I realised that, at what point I realised that, but I think I probably just always feel that it's just easier to just be myself. So yeah. the first thing was to kind of, um, on the very first day, I'd already been into the school um, before the summer to sort of do a review with the local authority. And it was on the back of the feedback, some tricky feedback that I'd given, where the staff said, you know, she did that really well, that, that was, she handled that really well. That I think it kind of, if anything, was going to sway the balance of me being asked to do this particular role. I think that was perhaps it, because you can give difficult messages in a, a compassionate and empathetic way. And the guys there, they'd been through three years of... Um, Kind of upheaval really um mm -hmm. the, the, you know, the leadership journey had been challenging uh, um it had a couple of executive heads before me they were due in ofsted um you know things were not were not great so i think they just the staff there just needed to know that somebody understood what needed to happen was going to be there the whole time and guide them through it you know with some clarity as I would in my home, in my, my personal relationships, people just need to know, this is what I'm gonna offer you. If you meet me here and we all work together, we will see results. If anybody doesn't feel that they're capable or they're really worn out with what's happened in the last three years, let's get you into a school that isn't gonna go through what we're gonna go through because we are all gonna walk through the fires of hell. That is it. There's no way of sugarcoating this. We need to work quickly and we need to work authentically. Otherwise, we're all in the, in the uh, stuck. So, um, so that's what I said to them on the first day. I said, I've done this before. So you can speak to people I've worked with before if you want to, you know, you're all welcome to, to, to find out about me, but I'll tell you now, I've done it before and I know what needs to happen and, and it's two things. Firstly, it's the back office stuff to do with finances to make sure we can then use the money to invest in you guys and it's the front bit which is the actual teaching and learning. So I'm going to be getting two plates spinning and going to be working with two key teams, the admin team and the teaching team. And I will just be to start off with finding out and then getting these plates rolling, getting the information and then making sure that the right people are in the right job with the right training and the right support in order to be able to do what we all need to know, what we all need to make sure happens. Yeah. And actually, it was nothing more glamorous or complicated than that. But then you have to show that that's what that you're not just saying it. It's not empty mm -hmm. rhetoric that you actually mean what you say. Mm -hmm. That's right. So. Yeah. Straight away after kind of saying that, you know, to all the staff, like a state of the nation address, really, I then went in and met with um, with the admin team and said, OK, we know that we will be inspected this year. I know what I'm coming into. I'm not a fool. I've already looked at the website. These are the things that we need. Who does these things in this school? Who can find out about these things in the school? We've got a big staff, over 90 people work here. I need to know quickly and, and efficiently who's in charge of all of this so that we can rationalise it. And because of the, the level of ability of the staff that I inherited, very quickly we established who did what, we rationalised it so that everyone was really clear. And I think that clarity and communication is absolutely key. Mm. Um, and then other things like, you know, I didn't go in and observe lessons. What would be the point of that? I said, when I came in before the summer, the maths planning was taking you all to two hours a night. And actually, if you look at the track record in the last two years, it hasn't improved the maths results. Mm. So why are we mm. continuing to do what we know doesn't work? Um, and we kind of, I tackled the local authority on that and, and we were allocated somebody different to support us, which again had a big impact. And right. I, I also took time that first term, you know, when all of this was going on and we were uncovering one issue after the next, after the next that we just dealt with from the root. Um, mm. I also took time to get to meet every single person. I got to talk to them, 
you, you know, who lives with you? Who are you in a relationship with? Do you have children? Who do you care for? What are your aspirations in life? What has held you back from reaching those aspirations? How can I help facilitate you achieving them? And I think having those conversations meant that when I was thinking in my head, okay, I really need someone to work on that. I know that they've got the capacity and the interest and the passion that just hasn't been fueled perhaps, or they haven't yeah. expressed it in that way. And I was able to start strategically thinking about who was the best person in the best role and so on, where the weaknesses were, because this whole idea that we have to say is areas for development or whatever is a bit of a nonsense. Everyone knows that they're weak in areas. I know. What's the point of wasting time fiffing and faffing around the language? Yeah. I'm weak in areas. I need people to complement my weaknesses. You guys are great at that. You need to give me the guidance here. Just because I'm the head does not mean that I know everything or that I'm perfect. Mm -hmm. What matters is that we get to the best decisions um, and the best possible outcomes for children and young people. And, and that's I mean, I wish I had a better answer, like a more, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. this, we did this and then it worked. But actually, it was just like day, every conversation mattered, um, being authentic and telling the truth and, you know, not letting any history cloud my judgment, just saying, right, you know, I don't care who you were or what you were before I got here. This is your chance to rewrite your narrative right now. Nice. Do what you need to do. If you want to be brilliant at this, then go and be brilliant. What do you need from me in order to do that? Is it training? Is it support? Is it advice? And um, it was relationships really, I think, are key to most things yeah. in life. And um, the staff knowing that I had their backs, that I would never tell them lies. I gave them some really challenging messages, but in what I hope is a compassionate way. And um, and here we are now. And you know, I think they're all happy. I'm happy anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's so much better though to have that relationship building time, isn't it? Than than sort of be looking for a a, a magic bullet or a sort of key thing that you're going to do that's going to solve all those problems. Sometimes it's just putting that time in and that energy in and that knowing that people know that you want the best for them is so much more powerful than having some sort of magic scheme that's going to solve it all. I don't, I don't think it? there is one. And in fact, when, no. when, I was, when I was talking about the book in the early stages, um, I expressed that, that I would never write that kind of book. That mm -hmm. I wouldn't read a kind of book that says, do this and within 12 no. months you will... I wouldn't read a book like that. And, I, no. and there are books out there and they're great, yeah. you know, and, and people you know read them and everything. But mm -hmm. I wouldn't read a book like that and, and I wouldn't want to write a book like that. So, yeah. you know, the book that I write will just be about this is this is how I've arrived at it. It's not it's nothing yeah. magical. There's no arcane magic going on in the background where I've got a wand and I'm going, this is all perfect. It's no. hard work, building yeah. relationships and not sugarcoating things and also not being in a hurry. I think there's a tendency, you know, I knew Offset were coming. I could have said, right, do this, do this. I didn't. One of the things that we took two whole terms to do was to find a tracking system. And, you know, I said to my deputy at the time, who's fabulous, um, who's now ahead herself, I said, right, this is your performance management this year. All you need to do is find a suitable. I know what I've used in the past and it worked perfectly well. But I want one that works well for this school. So you go and you do the research as part of your MPQH. So it's, you know, you get bang for your buck because she's doing something really useful and authentic that's going to have massive impact in our school for the long yeah. term. I could have just gone and bought a tracking system and I was under pressure. Just buy one, just buy one. I'm not going to buy one. We're going to, this is public money. We're going to yeah. wait and find out what's best for our school. 
we will implement it efficiently and effectively and then you know then it'd be worth because data and tracking systems are only as good as the stuff that goes in and the people who are putting that stuff in and then the analysis yeah. that comes out of it it's not about quick quick get a tracking mm. system or quick quick get a maths program yeah. it's about yeah. are you supporting people to understand what that program even means you know That's can right. they deliver it is it is it having impact and if it isn't why yeah. are we why are we wasting our time? No, and it's then putting the time into making sure it works and giving it the time to come through yeah. rather than expecting in two months it's all going to be fixed because it just doesn't happen that, like that, does no, it? No, it doesn't. And looking at that and thinking, that's really great, but it's not right for mm -hmm. the school. Mm -hmm. I yeah. absolutely love that, but not for here, not for now, mm -hmm. maybe in the future. And, you know, there's loads of like really cool stuff that I would definitely do, but yeah. not in this school, not now, not, not mm -hmm. our needs right now. So it's about yeah. choosing carefully and investing heavily in the things that you know will make a difference in your yeah. context. And everyone's different. There's no one size fits all, is there? No, it's all context it specific, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what are you doing now then? Are you, are you still on that journey of just putting love in and giving people time and developing relationships or are you 100% yeah 100% relationships it's always Correct. about that isn't it because nothing yes. stands still everything evolves um nothing stands still so it's all mm -hmm. it's all good yeah that's brilliant I think it takes real guts as well to kind of like see that you could have this flashy new thing and you know this new idea or this new initiative and but but actually saying no no this isn't right for where we're at and this won't bring value i think that takes a lot of kind of guts to make those decisions because i think sometimes the shiny things that feel like they're going to quickly solve things uh don't necessarily always work like you say um, that's leadership though isn't it that's right exactly yeah. exactly that and it's authentic leadership as well because that's what you do you're one of the most authentic people i know in terms of leadership because um you admit your flaws as well and i think that's important to um, i don't mean flaws as in you know what i mean but you you admit the bits that no, you, you are need 100%, help with. Right. <laughs> but, and we've yeah. only got a short podcast otherwise we'd be here all day listing all <laughs> of my flaws trust no, me no, on that no, but, 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 <laughs> it's like, knowing yourself though isn't that's it, it and being yeah. honest about yourself and knowing what you're good at and what somebody else needs to do which is um, actually chapter one. Imagine, <laughs> you, you're, you're already pinching my ideas. I don't even know what they are, knowing myself. We had a, um, we had a session um, with Amy Sayer talking about mental health in um, kind of leadership and schools. And uh, one thing that came up was kind of how heads look after themselves, because often we see that um, people think that heads are infallible and they kind of, they're the ones that, you know, I've got it sorted because they're the head. But actually I've, I've seen and I know, know that many heads do struggle with kind of the, the the amount that they've got to carry. How do you look after yourself and what advice might you give to other heads in a similar um, position? Well, I've, it, this has been by trial and error for me, I, I can't lie. And, and again, in the book, I, I do open up a bit about this because I have been guilty in the past of filling my life absolutely to the max uh, as a coping mechanism to avoid um, kind of looking at things that went on in the past for me so filling my life with stuff is not the healthy way however it, it worked to a degree for a time I've since learned that although I'm kind of obsessed with um, you know t getting extra value out of my life and making sure I'm always squeezing the last possible bit of um, productivity out of the day that actually I do need to take time so one of the things I've done is kind of satisfying me and knowing myself and I know what I'm like again that whole knowing yourself thing but nevertheless accepting that I do need to take some time 
what I've done, and you're going to laugh at this, I said it yesterday in the book, but um, so I will either run to school, which takes me 60 minutes, because um, I carry my backpack, so it's weighted run, or I will walk to school, which takes me 90, or I'll cycle, which takes me about 25, but let's call it 30. So I know if I've got... 30 minutes in the morning I can cycle, if I, if I want to take more time I can walk and it'll take me 90 and I will listen now to an audiobook or some music. So what I do for that period of time, I get the, the, the physical benefits yeah. of the endorphins, I get daylight on my face because what can sometimes happen to me and it's utterly depressing is that I will sit in the office all mm. day yes. and it's glorious out and I'm in the office mm. like ah. Um, so sometimes I'm trapped at my desk and I think at least I've had that half hour or you know hour and a half in the daylight so there's the physical there's the daylight and then there's the kind of taking your brain out thing where you can I mean I never I'm, I'm an old school book lover I never thought I'd ever get into audible however walking to school means that I get physical and also I get my brain yeah. nourished and I'm yeah. thinking about things I'm thinking oh I've thought about that and I just toddle off I'm, I'm literally like Forrest Gump you know off I go yeah. to school in my own little way and then um you know sometimes I'll do the reverse if I cycle in I might leave my bike there and get a lift home and then run in the next day or I might cycle in or run in and get a lift home or I might walk home so I've always got the option if it's been a rough day I might think oh I'll walk home and then I'm not coming home bringing all the day home to my children mm, I'm the best mom I can be because I think we owe it to ourselves to find something in the day f for us and you know again on the back of some tweets I saw the other day about people saying oh um you know my, rel my relationship broke down and I've st I'm still on good terms with my ex and my in-laws and this and that for the show I think yeah absolutely we we literally owe it to to ourselves and to everyone we work with to be the best for ourselves for our children for our yeah. families for our colleagues and that is only done by creating that whole oxygen mask analogy mm -hmm. so yeah that's something that's so important i think that not everybody um kind of thinks about how to let go of their day at the end of their day so often we find that you know you've had this busy day i mean teachers leaders whatever it doesn't matter everyone feels you know a level of pressure doesn't don't they and, and it's and it's how we access our toolkit i suppose um for good mental health and looking after ourselves that is the important bit because so often we kind of go Oh, I've had one of those days, and we just get back in our car. We'll sit in traffic, and it'll be. Now I'm not. I'm not saying everybody run to run to school and <laughs> no, and me. walk home because I'm yeah. certainly not that person. But it's about the. I think the the message is is to gather your toolkit, what works for you. Whether that's kind of you know on your way home, you go for a walk in the park. You park up, just go for a walk around the park, come back again, let the let the day go. Or whether that's, you know, whether you might have a partner at home that totally gets it and so knows exactly what to do when you come home and you happen to be Miss Action Heroes, uh, super, <laughs> Superhead, who yeah. runs and, and, and that's wonderful. But obviously, you know, I think the message there is to kind of, you know, get what works for you and, and, and do it and make a, make a conscious effort to do that. And that is exactly, exactly 
how I summarised it yesterday because again it's trial and error and I, I've tried all kinds of things I've tried to have a bath and and you know do the candles and stuff like that and I, I can't settle I always think God I'm, no. I'm in the bath I'm doing nothing so then um, you know I'll think I'll, and th again it's in, this is in the book it's hilarious because I've had conversations with my new head teacher from the bath because I've thought I know I need to ring them I'll ring them now and then and then I don't feel guilty that I'm in the bath doing yeah. nothing for half an hour so I'm, and they're like you sound a bit echoey yeah I'm in the bath and, and then the silence like <laughs> the you're talking to me sure. to me that's perfectly normal behavior because yeah. we are multitasking but um for other people it's like uh, a bit disturbing but anyway so I yeah. think that the, the idea is that you must find the thing that works for you and for me the, the facets of my life are just all completely satisfied by what I do because I'm, if I'm running in with 20 kilos on my back and it take or I'm tabbing in it takes me between an hour and 90 minutes I'm not only listening to um audible listening to a great book I've got the sun on my face or the rain I'm happy to do either and then I get there and and so then when I'm I head up to the army and and I'm having to do the physical assessments that's boxed off I don't have to think about in my day when I can fit in the physical challenges that I need to do in order to remain um you know operationally fit mm. for that job and and also I do love it you know it's not about um for me and again a I've said it in the book and I even said it in my TEDx talk you know being physically strong for me was motivated by other stuff and and now I, I love the idea that I'm strong at my age you know I'll be 47 in a couple of months I'm strong you know I know I'm strong and I think that makes you know physically healthy it's not about being thin because also in the book yesterday I talked about how I you know one of the great things I'll do is cook batch cook food so I home cook from scratch mm -hmm. um, so I know it's all full of vegetables full of goodness and then I'll freeze it so that if I'm busy I'm not just reaching for junk because I think nourishing your body mm. as well as your so mind, important. as well as everything else is because you are a whole person. Yeah. And for me, that works for other people. They, they, they won't care about cooking or they won't care about exercise, but they will care about taking time out to have a bath or mm. as you say, yeah. you know, ha having a partner who, who will help. I've got a busy life, which mm. I like, but it just takes a little bit of, um, thought and, and I'm really good at compartmentalizing yeah. time so in terms of mental health I will say you know I'm not going to look at my work emails at times and it doesn't always work by the way sometimes I'm guilty and I, the balance will yeah. tip mm. but it's about recognizing that That's and right. bringing that back That's and exactly I think it. as a leader it's about observing that in other people so if I because mm. I know my staff I yeah. read their nuances really well and I think if, if I see that they're getting a little bit I'll say can you please take the afternoon and go home and do that work from home or please can you do that work uh, you know from home or don't do that work and I will take the I'll physically take the computer off them and say you're not going to do that today you will go home and, and spend some time with your family because it's not just about me and if you have that, that oxygen mask for yourself and it's an old analogy isn't it but it's so true you put it on yourself you make sure you're okay and then you make sure everyone else in your yeah. team is okay because make no bones about it although everyone says oh you know they don't do things for Ofsted and by and large we don't that Ofsted thing is always looming, particularly if you're yeah. in a school like ours. You know, we know that we're requires improvement now. We know that that next judgment will be important for, for the integrity of our school, you know, the public integrity of our school. It won't change what we do. It's for other people's perception, which is frustrating, really, mm. because there are schools out there carrying a badge. And I'm not I'm not dismissing the, any school, by the way, but it's this, this badge and this label that then creates the kind of image 
for the people outside. Yes. You know, if you've got yeah. a, a label of outstanding, but it was actually 12 years ago, no one cares. It was 12 years you've had it. No. Offset have um, changed their threshold and their framework four times since then, but nobody seems to have caught up yeah. with this. And it's yeah. just an outdated system. Uh, um, and it's always there in the back of your mind. And I don't worry about Ofsted. I worry about the impact of Ofsted on my staff, which is a different yeah. kind of thing, mm. I think. Yeah, I, I love that you take the time to get to know your staff and that you can be in a position so you're well and you're able to recognise where people need that help. Because in my experience, you know, I haven't necessarily had, um, I've had really good relationships with heads, but there haven't been necessarily that kind of active Right, I'm going. To, I'm going to make sure you're okay, or you're okay, and 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 that the whole team then kind of comes together and is a community. I think that's so key um, for good leadership. That it's it's really inspiring to hear that it's actually happening, and I hope other people <laughs> take note from from what you do. Really, um, you also do that though, Vic, in your personal life. So when you have like on. Like, for example, Twitter, you have this great thing, a Vic Car Calls. I love that. Um, and, and, you know, you look out for people, even though they're not in your uh, school. And, you know, I, I was fortunate to be on the receiving end of that phone call. Um, and it meant so much to me. You know, goodness me, the ripples that you're making is, is, is wonderful. And I, you know, I guess I'm trying to get to the point of, like, you know, you don't find many like you. Um, where you know you're doing so much in your job, and then you give more to people outside of that. Does do you get looked after? Um, I think I think if you did things to get things in return, it wouldn't be the same. I don't I don't mm. think that don't, that answers your question. But um I, I look after myself i'm quite happy looking after myself and i think what fills me up is is helping others really i think um i've got the capacity to do it so why wouldn't i um you know on, on my walks to school if i'm walking i can make a call sometimes i've called people at, at six o'clock in the morning if they've needed help um had, you know head teachers who've been frazzled with one thing or, or another and i think if i can find the time i'll find it and i do and often on the way home i'll make calls to people i mean on sunday I was driving back from my brother's in norwich um, which is quite a long way from where i live dropped off my mum and i was driving back and, and somebody had reached out and said i, I could really do the chat and I, and I rang her from the car and we were on the phone for about an hour and i think that's multitasking at its best isn't it you know i was driving safely obviously and um she needed a chat and there you go so by the end of that chat she was able to enjoy the last sort of week of a holiday. She had a strategy and um, just sharing that kind of corporate knowledge that you've got of nine years of being in headship. I haven't seen it all, but I've seen a lot. And if I've got it to give, I, I, I will give it. And I think that's what makes me feel good knowing that I'm helping other people because um, I think a lot of people have invested in me in my life, and particularly when I was smaller. And they've signposted me towards amazing things and um it kind of feels like not that i'm paying them back but i'm kind of their investment in me is paying dividends because it's now being yeah. reflected being paid forward into other people um so the reason i decided to start doing a vicar course actually is um in january 
the whole world just seemed to be tipped upside down, the whole education world as well as the whole actual world. Because overnight, um, schools were kind of given this directive really that we had to close. And a lot of parents, understandably, were very angry and upset because as a working parent myself, if, if I'd have had younger children that I suddenly had to find childcare for, I just don't know what I would have done. So I can really appreciate that pressure. Um, the problem, of course, is that we're not subject to being able to make our own decisions. By and large, we're told what to do, and, and the guidance was late and all of that. I've said it all before, but... Um, so a lot of people were under pressure. A lot of head teachers were under a lot of pressure from parents who were very upset. And um, so a lot of, again, the Twitter world, it isn't an echo chamber, but it does tend to echo the same problems that we are all having. Mm. And one person, a guy who tweets is um, at Censored Head, he tweeted and said, oh my word, I don't even want to go to school tomorrow because after the weekend I've just had, I just can't bear it. And I thought, oh my days, this poor person, maybe he doesn't have the kind of team that I have. Mm. And, you know, I go to school some days and no matter how many strategies I've got in place, no matter whether I've run to work and I've had a shower and I've had a lovely coffee made for me and I'm sat there ready for the day, still some days I think, oh, right, okay, come on, let's dig deep, yeah. guys, because we've got to crack it. So I thought, I've got a great team around me. What if this person does not have a team? So, I, you know, I'm not a fan of a, of a DM. I've had some quite scandalous DMs, if I'm honest with you. And I thought, I don't know who this person is, boy or girl, I don't know. If I send them a message, what are they going to think? But I thought, I've got nothing to lose. So I sent a message and said, listen, I'm so sorry to read about you know your difficult weekend would it help you if i gave you a call tomorrow now this is when we were absolutely in the thick of things we were all the whole nation pulling our hair out and he said absolutely it would really really help so i thought right i'm going to commit myself to, to doing this for this person i never met before didn't it was a boy or girl so I rang the next day and, and it was a lovely guy and we chatted for about 45 minutes about next to nothing he talked yeah. me through the issue and I think by verbalizing it, and this is also what I talk about in the book, if you get that issue outside of you and you say, look, this is what's pecking at my head. And someone says, OK, let's find some perspective in all of this. Mm. What can we what, what actions can you take? What can you practically do? And then what is what the rest of it is just kind of like about feelings and, and ego and hurt and, and all of that. So we had a big old chat about that. And then we just chatted about nothing. His children, his partner, et cetera, et cetera. And we had a bit of a giggle. And then he tweeted and said he just had the most amazing chat with me, which is hilarious <laughs> because literally it was not an amazing chat. It was just a chinwag. And um, then one of his friends said, oh, my word, you didn't answer the phone to me last week. And me being me and always taking the mickey, I said, flipping heck, I'll talk to you tomorrow if you want. And he was like, yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> so I rang him the next day. And then from there I thought, these are actually really... Um, rewarding mutually beneficial conversations because talking about different contexts and okay we're chatting about personal lives and so on but we're also talking about school uh, contexts and lives as well and so we end this then snowboard and I thought you know what I'm going to do I'm going to be really maverick for me and I'm going to call every um, first person who puts a response on a tweet that I write I will say to them should we have a chat so a couple of people must have been like no <laughs> <laughs> we will not have a chat yeah. thank you which is fine but then most people so like a handful said what's this chat about like what do you want to sell me something i was like no nope. <laughs> have you yeah. got a problem no nope. 
oh all right then go on we'll have a chat so there's kind of a little exchange and then other people are like yeah yeah crack on give me a call now i'm dead excited so kind of there's a continuum of responses but then of course just opened up the most amazing um you know professional relationships supportive personal relationships um with people i'd never met like emily and and so on and then just uh, you know I've helped lots of people since then, so I've done some Zoom um, support with three new head teachers who need a bit of advice on finance, and then another Zoom for about five different um, schools and staffs, whole staffs actually. I should start charging, but I won't. Um, on, on curriculum and development and stuff like that. So from that, then just spiraled even more profound and beneficial connections with other schools up and down the country. And then this is so cool, but I've had three different visits from people who've literally, one woman drove from like the south of England, <laughs> stayed over the night just to come and visit our school. My mind was blown. Yeah. She was like, I've come for inspiration. And I'm there thinking, mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you know, it's, it's they sparked off a brilliant um, community vibe for me anyway, which was really rewarding. I mean, what does that tell you? You know, like you've got someone driving all that way to come and see what you're doing in the school. Uh, to me that sounds like there's not many people doing what you do in schools therefore people want a piece of what you're um doing and getting inspiration in whichever way they can from what yeah. you're doing and what you're kind of you know pioneering i suppose i suppose there's not as i said earlier there's no one size fits all so stuff i do they might think well that's rubbish i wouldn't touch that with a barge pole other stuff they'll think oh that's really that's really great and, and that's the same thing with me out you know i'll go to a whole conference for two days and i'll come away with one tiny takeaway but mm. one's better than none and it's worth it and sometimes it's the conversations and the relationship building that happens yeah. around that conference or within it or as a result of it that gives those most profound um, impacts rather than the content of the talks even yeah. though they're brilliant themselves so I think people take what they want from any mm. given situation, which is why, you know, when I give, it's not just in one place, it's not just on one plane, it's not just one dimensional. Yeah. You know, if someone needs a call, great. If they're not a talker, also great. I'll, I'll do a Zoom for their school. Mm. If they need, you know, one guy, he was talking to me um, about needing um, little, what they call for the phone, you little SIM cards. And yeah. we'd, I'd, I'd managed to get like, 50 I think and I said we're not using them do you want me to send them to you and he was like oh my goodness yes please so sometimes it's stuff that you can give mm. and sometimes mm. it's advice or just a bit yeah, of a joke time. Or, or support really time mm. time is and again I, you know as I keep saying I wrote this yesterday time is our if we accept that time is our most precious commodity and we understand that we're only given a finite amount of it and um we never know how much that is from one person to the next that's right and if you're prepared to give someone your time actually that is more precious than than gold or diamonds really mm. isn't it and i know that again that sounds a bit cliche but genuinely it's the truth it's for free yeah. it just takes effort and and uh, again i said it in my tedx talk i think um investing time in others and, and and you know maybe giving them some help you don't know where that will go you don't know what they're going to do with that and, and for me it, it made a massive difference to my life you know statistically i shouldn't be here in my lovely house with my lovely kids and my lovely dog chatting to you guys about my great work and my great job i statistically my life should have been a whole other story but here i am and, and that's because other people invested their time and took the time yeah. to, to say stuff to me 
Yeah, side note on that, you should definitely go and watch Vic's uh, TED Talk on, on YouTube. That's that's Except. super cool. It's, it is. It's great. Um, Except I'm a nervous wreck in the whole, throughout the whole thing. No, <laughs> not at all. Um, I would definitely come and visit, not just to come and see you. I love you, but I'm desperate to see Gus. Oh, he's asleep over <laughs> yeah. there now. He's so adorable. So yeah. if for those who don't know, Vic's got a school dog. But I secretly think now you are kind of like, school dog, my dog, you know. But yeah. um, uh, but you've got that Gus. That is true. <laughs> yeah. And, and what was the motive behind bringing in a dog to school? Because I think every school should have them because they're my favourite things in the world. But... <laughs> Why did you bring in Gus? Um, well, I can't claim it was my idea, but what happens to me is um, I'm always looking for the next really cool thing. I don't always do it, but I'm always looking for the next cool thing. And so the staff will say wacky stuff to me, like, oh, do you think it'd be a good idea? And I'm like, could, could we do that? Is that feasible? And then they're like, no, 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 we're only joking. But so I'm like, that with everything. <laughs> yeah. That's the first thing. And then usually my lovely Sue, who's in the office, will say, no, Vic. <laughs> and she's the voice of reason because again talk about knowing yourself i am um i i, I did the, i always do these myers-briggs tests every few oh, yeah. years because i think surely i've grown surely i've changed surely <laughs> i do not. that <laughs> and lo and behold i have not and yes. i'm still the same person as ever even even if i try and game the test it still comes out the same so um that Sue knows me and she she is the voice of reason whereas I'm like yeah let's do this for example we were going to do this um wood fest um uh, we've got 600 kids nearly in our school so you can imagine how many parents we've got as well we were going to do wood fest I wanted a massive festival in July bearing in mind that the numbers were skyrocketing for COVID and yeah. bubbles were closing left <laughs> right and center I was like but you know come on it's outside no Vic no so that's what that's Sue's job anyway mm -hmm. Sue inadvertently twice now has given me a wacky idea. One was the nativity, which the senior leadership team filmed the nativity in the costume in school and shared it with the staff. It never went public. We've done other stuff that's been on YouTube, but we shared it with the staff as our crit because we couldn't see everybody and we were all in a bubble. We filmed ourselves to the nativity, which was just hilarious. I was the angel Gabriel. Um, so Sue, Sue, that was Sue's idea. And then Sue's other idea was the school dog. She had got a lovely dog. We both had COVID last year and were extremely ill, um, you know, to the point of being almost hospitalized. And we narrowly escaped that. And her husband said, look, you've wanted a dog forever. You're so ill that um, if you, you know, if you recover from this, I will get a dog. So she yeah. got a dog. So she has got the lovely Delilah. And she, Delilah is like the Farrah Fawcett of the dog world. She's like, you know, <laughs> fabulous. And Sue is like the Farrah Fawcett of the admin world. She's gorgeous as well. So imagine how I feel like rocking up looking like an absolute riot. And I'm surrounded by all these flipping supermodels. But anyway, Sue's dog is like the owner, Sue, and is absolutely gorgeous. Sue says one day in a senior leadership meeting, I think I should bring Lila in to be the school dog. I think we need some therapy because we're all pulling our hair out. And if we could just give her a little stroke and a little snuggle, we'd all feel a lot better. <laughs> the others had just bought a dog. So Laura had bought a dog. Um, and, you know, every, you know, Sharon has got a dog. And uh, everyone was like, we should get a school dog. And I was thinking, oh, God, I can feel, I can feel an idea <laughs> coming on. So I yeah. said, right, maybe we should get a school dog then. And uh, that was it. Four weeks later, we'd I'd put a plan together, done some research. People had helped me on Twitter saying, yeah, yeah, we've got one. It's easy. This is what you can do. I worked it out how it would work for us. Um, 
And at first I was like, it needs to be completely um, separate from anybody in school. If the animal, I talked about the animal, because at that point we didn't know whether we were getting a boy or a girl or what breed. So I couldn't say, oh, if the Labrador or if, if yeah. us or whatever. It was like, if this animal bites someone, which is the worst case scenario, then that animal would have to be put down, which is the p worst possible oh, case God. scenario, and would be sued. Which And this is as a head. You've got to think about yeah. the worst yeah. case and then work backwards yeah. from that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, so we're going to have to put the groundwork in and I don't want anybody to be sued, so it can't belong to anyone, so no actual member of staff can buy the dog. It's got to be bought by the school, therefore the liability yeah. resides with the school. Da, 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 da. And... Um, so I was completely devoid of any kind of <laughs> emotional investment in this. I just thought it'd be a great idea for the school. Anyway, my daughter, who was on lockdown and, and doing her GCSEs and quite actually stressed about the whole thing, um, said, look, I'll help you out, Mum. I know you're busy. I've got some time. I'll do some research. So she was busy mm -hmm. on the internet um, chatting to breeders left and right, telling them this very strict... She's a genius, my child. I don't I don't know where she got it from. But anyway, she's like, this is what we need. This is what... So she had this list of things that we needed. And this one breeder, of all of the, the ones that we were talking to, was talking sense. And, and we ended up with Orange, who was a black Labrador dog. And, um, and when we went to pick up Orange, and then we said to the children at school, what name would you like? He's a name evolved from... Um, about a five-barreled name to Angus, <laughs> which then became Gorgeous Gus, which he is mm -hmm. absolutely gorgeous. Oh my God, he and is. Honestly, so good. I am so blessed. And then that was it. I was in love with him because he was just the best dog ever in the world. Mm -hmm. Properly trained, just <laughs> adorable, so affectionate, and just he's, he's always by my side. And that's it. So now, although he is the school dog, <laughs> what, and this is what's so funny, the staff all said, it. The staff, well, no, because he was always going to come and live with me, but the mm -hmm. staff have said, ha-ha, now that the school dog lives with you, that means that you can't go anywhere for a minimum of 12 to 15 years because you've got the school dog and you won't Aww. give him up. And I was like, oh, okay, so I've, been, <laughs> I've, just, I've just been trapped in a nice <laughs> way. Mm. So Gus is, the, Gus is the, um, the, the kind of, obviously the only thing that keeps me at my school. That's brilliant. That's gorgeous. It's magic the way dogs, because uh, we've all got dogs here, haven't we? You've yes. got Smudge, um, Oliver. Yeah. I've got Betsy and Bella, who are <laughs> the complete terrorists. They're, they're rescue mm -hmm. dogs, but they're total beautiful, affectionate beings. Yeah. The minute someone comes to the door, though, you know about it. But um, mm. for me personally, the power of a dog, and I know it sounds silly to people who don't know this, but when you struggle with anxiety or depression or anything kind of mentally related, there's a weird kind of connection you have with a dog that mine just know exactly when I'm struggling or when I'm upset and they'll come and comfort me. And I think, you know, for kids, mm -hmm. having a school dog could make or break someone's day or you know you've got a child in crisis or yeah. feeling like they're kind of out, of out of not out of control but i suppose having one of those episodes dysregulated yeah. yeah um i find that you know that, that um even the staff if you know if they they've come to the office i mean they don't care about me now they'll come to the office they'll look, <laughs> they'll look over the they'll look over the dog gate and they'll say um 
is Gus in school today? I'm like, he is, and guess what? So am I. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm Hello. Yeah, I'm here. Um, but, but if they're feeling fed up, they come to the office. The other week, it was hilarious. I saw two legs sticking out, and I thought, oh, God, it was a hot, it was a, that heat wave we had. I thought, oh, God, someone's fainted yeah. in my office. I literally panicked, and this, mm-hmm. these two legs were poking out, so I came running in, <laughs> and it was um, one of the staff, and I was like, I thought you'd fainted. She said, no, no, I'm just lying on the floor with the dog. <laughs> so, well, that's that now, you know, that how, how it all rolls. <laughs> and I think that, that regulation, that kind of co-regulation where, where the dog doesn't want anything from you um, mm, he just yeah. wants you to love him and, and right. trust him and and you know the children love him the staff love him and the majority of the parents love him as well so yeah so yeah that's he's great. a definite that's bonus great. a definite good addition to our school mm-hmm. so we need to kind of unfortunately we need to come to an end in this conversation at some point which i'm sad about <laughs> yeah. but i wondered if you could give some advice for either new heads who will be starting in september who are worried about i kind of read a tweet today i don't know who it was by but they said they're starting headship in about you know 16 days or so and they woke oh i up with... put a response on there oh did you yeah. Tweet. Wrote, yeah woke up in a cold sweat you know yeah. mm-hmm. there is there is a level of anxiety that people will be feeling whether it, whether they're established heads or not at the minute it's that mm-hmm. time of year that everybody feels that kind of goodness mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. coming what well, advice do you have for them well i think firstly i think that's just true of anybody anybody yeah. taking yeah. up a new position again i've talked about this in my book because part of that is natural and part of that mm-hmm. is i'm doing something that i don't know if i'm 100 percent prepared for and we all feel that so that's firstly is to acknowledge that it's normal then everybody feels it and the second thing is to to make networks 100%. And again, this is also boring now. It's in the book, it's in the book. It's actually in the book because networking, if you, know, if you want to go far, you need to do that with other people. You cannot do it all on your own. And, um, you know, we all feel the same way. And the whole point is no matter how many plans and lists and stuff you have, you know, the army have a saying, no plan survives first contact. And... Um, that's what will happen you can have the best plan ever now worry and obsess about it for two weeks and you'll get into school and it'll all go out the window yeah. and at that yeah. point that is when you need to turn to old crusty people like me and say ah, okay what am i going to do how do i do yeah. this and that's what we are all there for and there are so many gorgeous people i mean kirsty Stubbs, she's just like mega yes, absolutely Kirstie. mega censored yeah. head um matt jessup just love him absolutely adorable so uh, you know lee um he'll, he's been through the mill he's just a great yeah, super guy so there's so many so so many and this is me now i'm now panicking thinking god who have i forgotten to mention but there are literally <laughs> loads of people on twitter who if you just put it out there mm. and you say look i'm really struggling with this or does anybody have any advice on that a hundred people will have responded to you before you've even yeah. um you know made yourself a cup of coffee but it you know acknowledging that everybody feels that anxiety mm. it's normal particularly if you're new yeah. to school you know if you've got a new an nqt or, or eqc whatever they're called now ect um, if you're if you're new to school if you're new to a role any role it is normal to feel anxiety because what you are doing is you've become comfortable at the role you had before you're now taking a step out of that comfort zone into a new role yeah. we all have it it's perfectly natural and that is what we are all here for to help you and there are a million and one people who will do just that amazing that's brilliant advice so now i don't want everyone to go and bombard you vic with like i want a phone call i want do you know a funny thing before you go i've got to tell you this with the vicar calls thing because obviously i've got you in my phone as vic car and yeah. you'd sent me a text once and my wife just turns around and went 
why is the vicar texting you? <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like do, you know, do, you where, do you know where that came from? Um, so obviously my initials, VLC, C, mm-hmm. and then my name, Car. So my email address, um, I won't say what it is, my personal one, but um, loads of people have put Vic Car, and whoever poor old Vic Car is must have about 10 million emails oh, from no. me about <laughs> random stuff through my life. Yeah. And um, everyone's like, oh, because I, because most people shorten my name to Vic, which I love, you know, Vic, I, I'm not really a fan of it, I suppose, of Vicky, but um, I don't know why, but Vic or Victoria people call me, and um, just that, that's what it's always been but I think because I'm always called Vic Vic Carr so then people just put Vic you know Vic yeah. Carr is my email address it isn't me guys so whoever Vic Carr is if you're listening right now my apologies but that's where it came from a vicar cause yeah it's wonderful right. you are incredible you're fantastic you're doing amazing work we're big fans of you over here at Twinkle SLT um, and thank you for giving us your time and your honesty your openness I'm sure many people will get a lot from this episode so thank you so so much thank you keep in touch thank you we'll see you soon bye bye thank you so much for listening to Talking Teachers brought to you by Twinkle SLT We have resources for all school leaders and SLT, whether you're middle leader, senior leader, to help you lead your school effectively and save time. Check us out at twinkle.co.uk forward slash SLT. See you next time.